This morning, as Easter approaches, I'm going to be talking about the Last Supper. And the Last Supper is written about in the four Gospels. So I kind of compiled what I thought happened that night. So if you guys have your Bible, you can turn to Mark chapter 14, where we're going to start. Mark 14. And it says, On the first day of the festival of unleavened bread, when it was customary to sacrifice the Passover lamb, Jesus' disciples asked him, Where do you want us to go and make preparations for you to eat the Passover? You know, the festival of unleavened bread was celebrated the day after Passover. And that's when God freed the Hebrews from slavery in Egypt. And God said to have this festival for seven days to remember when I freed you from bondage. So at the time of the Last Supper, when Jesus was celebrating this, it had been done for 1,500 years, and it was still observed. So he sent two of his disciples telling them, Go into the city, and a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Follow him. So it would be unusual at that time to see a man carrying water, because that was a woman's job. So it would be easy for you to spot that man. It kind of reminds me of this picture. Being a firefighter, I was off a lot. Not like off, but like off from work. And so I would babysit my daughter 20 days out of the month. And so I thought, oh, it would be so cool to join this baby hui. Something here is not like the other. But we would get together and we would talk about the challenges of raising a baby, you know, when they're going to get their teeth, when they're going to start crawling. And so I hung out from, with them from when my daughter was about six months old to she was 18 months old. This is kind of what Jesus was saying. Look for the man that's hanging out with all the women. It'll be easy to spot. We're continuing in verse 14. Say to the owner of the house he enters, the teacher asks, where is my guest room where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? He will show you a large room upstairs, furnished and ready. Make preparations for us there. The disciples left, went into the city, and found things just as Jesus had told them. So they prepared the Passover. During the festival of unleavened bread, which lasted seven days, wherever you celebrated this, there was to be no breadcrumbs that were made with yeast. No yeast, no yeast powder, so they really had to home this large upper room. Have you ever planned a surprise birthday party? What about a retirement party? A graduation? 
maybe even a wedding, like Karen. You have to figure out where am I going to have the party? Then you have to check. Is it available? And how many people can I invite? You have to get invitations together. If I can only invite 20, maybe I can invite my favorite uncle. You're going to make favors. You're going to decorate the room. That's exactly what Jesus did here. He prepared ahead of time. What I see in these verses that we just read is that Jesus is moving today to prepare your tomorrow. You might be going through a difficult situation, but take comfort in knowing that he's doing something today to address that problem tomorrow. You know, I have a, a good friend, Keith Davenport. He's a retired firefighter also from New Jersey. And I want him to come up here and share a testimony that speaks about this. First of all, it's from John 5, chapters 5 and 6. And it says, Now a certain man was there who had an infirmity for 38 years. When Jesus saw him laying there and knew that he had already been there, had already been in that condition for a long time, he said to him, do you want to be made well? That man with the infirmity is me. For over half of my life, I have struggled with alcohol addiction. Now, mind you, I have stopped a few times for as long as six years at a time. This testimony is about one of those times and when I knew that God was with me, when God was preparing me for my tomorrow. I never went to church, but I knew who God was, and I knew what he could do. I also knew about his son, Jesus Christ, and how he had died on the cross for me. My Sundays were spent drinking. I would drink, and yes, listen to gospel music, and I would pray that God would help me to stop drinking. I had been praying for quite some time and thought, he's never going to help me. One night while drinking, and of course, getting drunk, I, for some reason, decided that I was going to go to church that following Sunday. Don't ask why. And I don't know why I wanted to go, but now I do. God says, come as you are. So I went, hungover. Now, mind you, if I drank too much the night before, I would usually not drink anything the next day. So I continued my routine of drinking and going
going to church until one night at around one or two in the morning. I was drinking, yes, listening to gospel music and praying when God put me on my knees. Not knowing what was happening, all I can do was shout, thank you, Jesus, thank you, Jesus, thank you, Jesus. This went on for over 20 minutes. Thinking that it was over, I got up, went down and took a shower, and I made it to my bed. But God wasn't done with me yet. He put me back on my knees again for about 10 more minutes, and all I can say was, thank you, Jesus, thank you, Jesus. After that, I was sober for six years. And in closing, just let me say this, that I am still a work in progress. Thank you. Thank God. While our supper continues in Matthew 26, when evening came, Jesus was reclining at the table with the twelve. And while they were eating, he said, Truly I tell you, one of you will betray me. I don't think he was calling Judas out. I think he was giving Judas an opportunity to turn back to Jesus. In Luke chapter 22, the story continues. They began to question among themselves which of them it might be who would do this. A dispute also arose among them as to which of them was considered to be the greatest. And I think, isn't that just like us? Jesus is doing something. He's offering forgiveness. Forgiveness, and then we make it about us. Oh no, I think it's Keith. He's the rat. No, 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 no. It might be Wade. I think it's Wade. He always rushes the donuts after service. It's him. Or you might be thinking, no, it's Matt. Matt's the rat. He's the one that's going to turn on Jesus. And then we get distracted. It's like, oh, Pastor Thomas really loves me because I sit in the second row right behind him. I park next to Pastor Thomas. I have a Mercedes. Everybody else has Hondas. We make it about us. But let's look at what Jesus said to address this. Jesus said to them, the kings of the Gentiles lord it over them. And those who exercise authority over them call themselves benefactors. But you are not to be like them. Instead, the greatest among you should be like the youngest 
and the one who rules like the one who serves. Have you ever observed children? They live in the moment. They don't care what happened at breakfast, and they don't care what's going to happen at nighttime. It's just pure focus on what they're doing. You know, I had, I had the opportunity to eat lunch with the Jones family here. And we ate with some of the homeless people we were trying to help. And Abby, she was so nice to me. I'm like an old guy compared to her. But she talked to me. She was truly interested in what I had to share. And I thought, she so reminds me of my daughter. I don't know if it was her mannerisms. I thought it was the way she looked. And so when my daughter comes to church, I go up to Abby and said, do you think you look like her? And she's like, no. So I was like, oh, okay. So I was thinking about that this week. And this is what came to me. In 1 Samuel, it says, man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. And that's what Abby does. She reminds me of Jesus. And that's what little kids do. They don't look at your exterior. They look right into you. And that's exactly what my daughter does. And that's why Abby reminds me of my daughter. Jesus tells us that's how we should be. Continuing in John... So Jesus got up from the meal. He took off his outer clothing. He wrapped a towel around his waist. I I had to get the big beach towel. (laughs) The other one doesn't work. And then he poured water in a basin. And began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was around his waist. Jesus always modeled what we should be doing and how we should live. This morning we're going to take communion if the ushers would pass out the bread and the juice. And we'll have Yo-Yo and Bert come up here. Debbie. You know, during the Last Supper, Jesus had the first communion. And since Adam and Eve, when sin entered mankind, there was always to be a sacrifice so that we could have right relationship with God. And Jesus says, I have a new covenant. Jesus 
is the Lamb of God. He was sacrificed for our sins once and for all. The veil was torn. No more separation from God. Through Him, we can have eternal life. The Gospel of Matthew records why they were eating. Jesus took the bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body. Go ahead. Then he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink from this fruit of the vine from now until the day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. And then when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. I think it's fitting that at the Last Supper, they decided to praise God as the final. I don't know what hymn they sang, but I'm sure it's like this one we're about to sing. So would you please stand and join me? Let's praise God.
John chapter 13, Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave the world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. When I read this passage of scripture, it reminds me of my grandma Zane. I remember a time when my dad had scolded me. I think I was a rascal when I was a kid. I used to get plenty spankings, but I don't remember if I was a rascal. But have you guys ever cried and you're crying so hard you cannot cry? It's like <laughs> It was one of those times and my grandma came and she was hugging me and she says, I love you. Don't worry. Grandma loves you. Don't do that again. I remember when I was about 12, my grandma was in the hospital. She had cancer. And I thought she was just going to get better and come home. But she was there for a week, and she passed away in the hospital. And I remember a young girl coming to her room not much older than Abby. She stuck her head in there, and we were all visiting my family. And she said, excuse me, can I play a praise song? And my grandma's like, yeah, come on in. So the girl starts playing on her guitar and singing. And this is what my grandma did. I will never forget it. She was like, Hallelujah, Jesus. I love you, Lord. I praise you, Jesus. I'm coming home. Oh, that girl was busted up. She had a hard time finishing her song. But I think today, would I have the strength like my grandma strong enough even though in pain even though I knew it was close to the end that I would continue to praise and love my Savior what if today was your last supper would you do things differently? What if you knew, like Jesus knew, you were going to die tomorrow? Would you still come to church? Would you be as mad as the person who cut you off driving here? I think it wouldn't matter. Would it be important to go into work, to finish that project that's just been nagging you? I don't think so. Would you be so upset with your wife because she didn't like the color of your shirt? I think all that wouldn't happen. I think we're supposed to live 
like each and every day is our last day. Because God says, you don't know when you're going to come home. No matter how much you worry, you're not going to have a second to your life. Would you want to see your kids? Make another goal. Hit another home run. Would you go out and buy that car that you always wanted, knowing that you wouldn't have to pay the money back? Or would you talk to your loved ones and say, I really appreciate your patience with me. You taught me how to be generous. You brought out the best in me. I am better today because of you. What about your kids? Would you tell them, I am so proud of you. I see Jesus all over you, and you're right. Doing things for God is going against the grain. Everybody thinks I'm weird. But Jesus tells us that's what they thought of him. So you're going down the right path if they think the same thing of you. I believe as Easter approaches in three weeks, God has a word for each and every one of us. And that word is, you are worthy, Jesus. As he got ready to get nailed to that cross, he thought of you. You weren't even born yet, but he thought of you. And he said, you are worthy. Maybe you were kicked out of a church. They told you, you can't come back no more. And Jesus would say, come to me. I will never leave you or forsake me because you are worthy. Keep that close to your heart as we approach Easter. Let's pray.